0: and laughs theater of the mind the best love programs from radio's golden age only on zoomer radio now here is your master storyteller frank proctor
1: well thank you and welcome to the show well here we are on a friday night the very first day of summer too thank you for tuning our way here on zoomer radio and Whether you're going to be at home or maybe up at the cottage, we'll continue to bring you the great programs from the golden age of radio. Tonight, we begin with a visit from Nick Carter, Master Detective. It was a mutual radio crime drama based on tales of the fictional private detective Nick Carter from Street and Smith's dime novels and pulp magazines. A veteran radio dramatist, Farron Fraser by name, wrote many of the scripts, and during the 30s and 40s, Fraser was a radio scriptwriter, notably for Little Orphan Annie. Dramatic and thriller programs with scripts like By Fraser include Suspense and Lights Out. Fraser was the author of more than 500 short stories for magazines, including Argosy, Colliers, Mystery, Real Detective, and Red Book. With Lon Clark in the title role, Nick Carter, Master Detective, began in April of 1943 on Mutual, continuing in many different time slots. For well over a decade. Jock McGregor was the producer-director of scripts by Alfred Bester, Milton J. Kramer, David Cogan, and others. Background music was supplied by organists Hank Sylvan, Lou White, and George Wright. Walter B. Gibson, co-creator and writer of the Shadow Pulp novels, was fired when he asked for a raise in 1946 and then became head writer for the Nick Carter radio series. Oddly enough, He never liked to write scripts for the radio version of The Shadow, although both characters were published by Street and Smith. Tonight, Nick gets involved in a drama entitled The Drug Ring Murder.
2: What's the matter? What is it? Another case for Nick Carter,
3: Master Detective.
4: Yes, it's another case for that most famous of all manhunters, the detective whose ability at solving crime is unequaled in the history of detective fiction, Nick Carter, Master Detective. Tonight's curious adventure,
3: The Drug Ring Murder, or Nick Carter and the Mystery of the Left-Handed Killer.
2: Well, Mr. Nicholas Carter, are you going to answer your telephone or are you going to take me out to lunch as you promised?
5: There's no reason why I can't do both, Fancy. Nick Carter speaking.
2: Nick, this is Riley at headquarters.
5: Oh, hi, Lieutenant? There goes my on your mind.
6: Murder. And you're right in the middle of it, Nick. Meet me at the city morgue as quick as you can. I'm waiting here.
5: What's the matter, Riley? Can't headquarters solve this case without me?
6: Who said anything about yourself in the case? You get yourself down to the morgue right away and that's an order.
5: An order, Riley? What are you talking about?
6: The body of a man was washed up on the beach this morning, only he didn't die from
3: drowning. It was murder. Yes?
6: There was no identification on the body. None at all. Except one of your business cards. Nick Carter, private detective. What? I hid the card in my pocket as soon as I laid eyes on it. But there's a chance one of the reporters saw it before I did. Now, do I have to draw your diagram?
5: You've already done it. I'll be there in the double rally. Bye. What's up, Nick? Plenty. Look, Patsy, hold on the office until you hear from me. I'll call you within an hour.
2: I knew you shouldn't have answered that phone.
5: Business before pleasure, Patsy. And right now, I've got business at the city (laughs) morgue. Where have you got him, Riley? On a slab out here? Uh, he's on ice,
6: in oh. the box at the end of the room there. And I'm telling you one thing, Nick Carter. It's lucky for you that I was here when he was brought in. Now,
5: look, Riley, surely you are not trying to pull me into this thing just because the fellow was carrying one of my cards. Uh, well, there are probably hundreds of people I never heard of who carry my name in their vest pockets.
6: Well, if you'd rather be explaining to the captain how your card got on a corpse... And...
5: Oh, now, take it easy, Riley. Take
6: you know, it know what it means for an officer of the law to conceal evidence, Nick. How do I know one of those reporters or photographers isn't telling the captain right now that... Now let's the... worry
5: about one thing at a time. He said the body was washed up on the beach on the north shore of Long Island? Yes, it was. Stuffed in a gunny
6: sack with every bit of identification removed. Hmm. Everything was ripped out except a concealed pocket.
5: Yes, with... I know. With my card in it. Ah, yes. Ah, here we are.
6: Last box here.
5: Uh, take a good look, Nick.
6: Yeah, did you ever see him before? Oh,
5: ah, Yes. That's Stanley Phillips. Huh? Dr. Stanley Phillips. He's a research chemist. Sort of an eccentric.
6: Oh, oh balmy, huh?
5: No, no, just strange. He's assisted me in a few investigations. But for the most part, he was pretty much of a hermit. Didn't like to mix with people.
6: Yeah, that don't make sense. People who mind their own business don't get and
5: go around getting themselves murdered. Where did he live? There's a big house on a Long Island Sound. But his laboratory was in his yacht. It was anchored about half a mile or so up from the house, if I remember correctly.
6: Laboratory on a yacht? Mm -hmm. He was balmy.
5: Hey, Riley. Look. Here in his neck.
6: What did you expect? I told you he was strangled. The autopsy showed he was dead before he was put into the gunny sack and thrown into the water. I know, but that isn't what I mean.
5: Here. Look at the prints in his neck. Closely, look at him. Yeah, yeah, well, lest I miss my guess, Riley, he was murdered by a left-handed killer. Say, maybe
6: you've got something there, Nick.
5: I'll phone the fingerprint expert. Now, wait a, wills- a minute, Riley. Let me hit the phone first. I gotta be in my way.
6: Hey, now, now don't be forgetting you can't take long on this, Nick. The captain will be wanting to question you about your card being found on the body. I can't hold off more than a few hours.
5: Give me those few hours, Riley, and I'll wrap the murderer up in wax paper.
7: Nicholas Carter's office.
2: Oh, hello, Patsy. I-
5: we got work to do. Yes, Nick? I want you to go through the files and dig out all the stuff we have on Dr. Stanley Phillips.
7: That queer doc who did some work for you once?
5: Yeah, that's the one. Research chemist. Uh-huh. Get all the dope on him, and to to be down in front of the office in ten minutes. I'll pick you up. All right, Nick. That's all. Yeah, where are you headed for, Nick? The Phillips Estate on Long Island Sound. Meet me there as soon as you get the report on the fingerprints and Stella Phillips' neck.
2: And apparently neither he nor his sister ever married. After the parents died, they continued to live in the big manor house.
5: What did you say the sister's name was? Rose Phillips. Rose. Go on.
2: Mm, you know all about his laboratory being on his yacht. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be one of the best private laboratories in the country. Used to do a lot of research work for big companies. That's a laboratory assistant, Tom Marks, young man. And let's see what else. um... Oh, his hobby was writing. Scientific articles, they were. Usually about the effects of habit-forming drugs. He had an article in Popular Research last month entitled Morphine Exposed.
5: So he wrote about habit-forming drugs, huh? Hmm. You know, Patsy... This case might turn out to be more than just an ordinary murder.
2: Well, I guess nobody's home, Nick.
5: You're wrong about that, Betsy. So the curtains at the window move. <laughs> hmm. Browning in the door isn't going to do any good either. Whoever's in there, evidently doesn't want callers today. However... What are you going to do? Open the door. This little lock picker of mine. There it is. All right, come on, Patsy. We're going
2: in. I don't see anybody. Stay behind me. Put your hands up. Over your head. She's got a gun, Nick.
5: You're Rose Phillips, I take it, miss?
2: Keep your hands up. I'm asking the questions. Who are you?
5: I'm Nick Carter, and this is... Nick
2: Carter?
5: Yes. And this is my assistant, Patsy Boone.
2: Nick Carter, the great detective, well, my brother often speaks of you. He thinks you're wonderful. Nick, she doesn't know yet.
5: Miss Phillips, I'm sorry to have to tell you like this, but your brother is dead. He's... He's dead? Yes. (laughs) I'm afraid he was murdered. if you'll just put that gun away, Miss Phillips, we'll talk things over.
7: Good, Mr. Conner, I'm sorry. This is all such a shock.
5: It was a fiendish killing. And I'm going to do all I can to bring the criminal to justice. You may be sure of that.
3: Rose!
2: Rose! I'm in here, Richard.
5: Oh. Well, uh, who are these people? I thought Stanley told you never to let strangers in the house.
2: It's all right, Richard. This is Nick Carter, the detective, and his assistant.
5: Oh. Well, that's different. How do you do, Mr. Carter? I'm Richard Coles. I take it you've already heard about Dr. Phillips. Yes. Ghastly, isn't it? I can hardly believe it. The police say it was murder. For the life of me, I can't imagine who would want to murder Stanley. He was a strange man, Mr. Carter, very strange. He had a phobia about not letting anyone in the house when he was away. You seem to manage an entrance all right, Mr. Coles. Well, I...
2: Mr. Coles is a very old friend of the family and has always had a key to the house. He's our lawyer. Look out, Nick. There's someone at the window. He's got a gun. I can't get over it, Nick. You don't seem to be surprised that you were shot at back there in the house.
5: I'm not, Patsy. That's why I was standing beside that suit of armor. That protected me by deflecting the bullets.
2: Nick, your presence on the Phillips case is most annoying to someone.
5: Too bad that window was frosted glass. Mm. Couldn't get a look at the gunman. That tiny crack the window was open. Well, now, did you find what I told you to look for in the cottage occupied by Tom Marks, the lab assistant?
7: Yes,
2: I found a pair of his gloves. Good. Had to go through all his desk drawers to find them, too.
5: Let me see them. Mm Mm-hmm. All seems to be adding up. Almost too neatly.
2: Adds up to a pair of gloves, that's all.
5: Look, Patsy. Coles told me back there's something about the terms of Phillips' will. If he lived to be 50, his estate was to go to a foundation. If he died before that, Rose was to inherit all the estate.
2: But that makes Rose the... No, oh, no, 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 no.
5: I don't suspect Rose. Her grief seemed genuine. But there's something else I learned. Tom Marks, Phillips' lab assistants, in love with Rose. They have been wanting to get married, but Phillips opposed the marriage.
2: Now the field is clear. We'll the money to boot. But that still doesn't make Tom Marks... Betsy, you... I'm almost
5: certain Phillips was strangled by a left-handed killer. These gloves of Marks you brought me show that he's left-handed.
2: Oh. And that leads us where?
5: Right out to the laboratory in the yacht. I've got to find Tom Marks.
2: Nick, why in the world do you suppose Dr. Phillips had his laboratory way out here in the middle of the Sound?
5: There's no mystery to that one, Patsy. He told me why once. Well, why? So people couldn't bother him. I'd have used this technical knowledge a lot more often on cases myself if it had been more accessible. Well, here we are. This is the Phillips yacht. I'll tie up here.
2: I've never climbed up a rope ladder before. And
5: you're not going up now either. Not until I look around the boat myself.
2: Oh, Nick, am I helping you on this case or not?
5: You are, but I don't want you taking unnecessary chances.
2: Nick, please. Now,
5: quiet a minute, Betsy. Let's see if we can raise somebody from here.
8: Hello up there! Hello aboard the Phillips yacht. It's
5: funny.
2: Tom Marks is aboard. He's keeping quiet about it.
5: Well, we'll find out right now. You better stay here in the motorboat.
2: And let you solve this case alone? Not a chance.
5: Okay, okay. But stay directly behind me, remember?
2: <sighs> Phew. Climbing this rope ladder is no cinch. I'm glad I'm not a sailor.
5: Can you make it?
2: Uh-huh. I'm coming. What do you think you'll find, Nick?
5: Tom Marks, I hope. Here, let me give you a hand over the rail. All see, right. Oopsie-daisy.
2: Oh, oh Hank. Well, there's nobody to lay out the welcome rug on the deck of this floating laboratory.
5: Well, that doesn't mean we're alone, Bessie. Come on. We're going down this companionway. Okay. I'm not mistaken. It leads to Phillips' laboratory. Mm-hmm. This is the laboratory. All right, Betsy, stay behind me. I'm going to open the door. Hey, Marks. Tom Marks, you in there? All right, Betsy, We can go in.
2: Mm-hmm. Tom Marks seems to have vanished, but he certainly left a mess behind him.
5: Yes. Overturned retorts. Bunsen burner knocked over. Hmm. Look here on the floor.
2: Broken bottle.
5: Sulfuric acid spilled and eating into the floor. Yes, this is where Dr. Stanley Phillips met his death, all right. And when the killer came at him, he was sitting at this desk writing.
2: Well, how do you figure that?
5: A bottle of ink tipped over. Wonder if he has any papers here that'll tell us what we want to know. desk been rifled. Everything of any value has already been taken.
2: It still all adds up to Tom Marks, doesn't it?
5: Yep, seems to. We'll know for sure as soon as Raleigh gets the report from the fingerprint expert.
2: Nick! Hmm? Nick, come here. Look what I found in the sink. What? This piece of paper.
5: I see. Now, that's in Dr. Phillips' handwriting.
2: Somebody tried to burn it out. Then they threw it on the drain board of the sink here. Part of it didn't burn.
5: See if I can figure it out. Like you to know, the man whom I have trusted and worked with these many years is, I have discovered, the head of a giant dope peddling ring and using my premises to carry on his business. This
8: man is...
7: Luke, the lights have gone off! <gasps> oh.
5: Patsy.
2: Patsy, where are you?
7: Patsy.
5: Uh,
2: Nick. You all right, Patsy? My head. Somebody hit
5: me. Stay where you are I'll find the switch.
2: Do you have your flashlight?
5: Yeah, I'll find the switch in just a second. Oh, the lights won't work. They must have been turned off at the master switch in the engine room. That means there's more than one person on this boat besides us. One of them turned off the lights and the other one shot at us in here.
2: You were right when you said you felt everything wasn't okay on this yacht.
5: You able to get up, Patsy?
2: Oh, sure. I'm all right now. Just a big hen's egg on my head, that's all.
5: Okay. Come on.
2: Nick, did they take the note?
5: That's what I want to find out. Let's see.
2: Flash a light down in the sink.
5: Yeah, it's gone. But wait. What are you going to do? Clean up the sink a little. Ashes don't look well scattered around on a white sink. Carefully now. Look. There we are. Now we're ready. Ready for what? To search this yacht from stem to stern.
6: What in blazes has been keeping you, Nick? I've been cooling my heels on this dock for the past half hour here. I hope you'd be here, Raleigh.
2: Hello, Lieutenant.
6: Hello, Patsy. Well, see, you look as if you'd seen a ghost on that yacht.
2: I did.
5: Somebody took a shot at us in the dock. What? Patsy got knocked down the freighters and got a nasty bump in her head. Well, say, who did it, Nick? Whoever it was made a neat getaway. Patsy and I searched the ship afterwards from end to end, but didn't find a soul.
2: Did you see anybody coming in from the yacht, Lieutenant?
5: Oh, nary a soul's come in off that board since I've been here. In fact, the only two people
6: who have been near here was two fishermen. Are you sure they were fishermen? Am I sure? <laughs> now, look, Nick, don't be giving me that. It was bona fide fishermen, all right. They pulled their little rowboat to shore a ways down the beach, and I saw him bring in their catch. And a nice string of fish it was. Okay, okay, Riley. So they were really valuable well,
2: What about your report, Lieutenant?
6: Oh, oh, that. Well, Nick was right. Our fingerprint expert examined the marks on Dr. Phillips' neck and said he was undoubtedly strangled by a left-handed killer. And now all we've got to do is find a left-handed man who had a reason to murder the doctor. We found him. Uh,
5: What's that? Dr. Phillips' laboratory assistant, Tom March, is left-handed.
6: See, you sure worked fast, Nick. And it's a good thing, too. The captain found out about your card being found on the body. Hey, wh- what kind of a scoundrel
5: is this Tom March? I don't know. Haven't seen him yet. Wasn't at his cottage, and he wasn't in the lab in the yacht. Now, let's make tracks, Mr. Private Detective, and search the grounds here. Wait a minute, we... Riley. Wait a minute. There's one thing more you ought to know. Huh? Whoever killed Dr. Stanley Phillips is the head of a giant dope ring. Do- Phillips was killed because he was about to expose the man.
6: Hey, that would be the laboratory assistant. He'd have access to drugs. Mr. Carter! Mr. Carter! Uh, who in tarnation is that?
5: Richard Coles, close friend of the Phillips and also the lawyer. Oh, Riley. Yeah? Put this hand in your pocket. Careful of it. It's a piece of evidence I picked up in the boat. Okay, Nick. Mr. Carter. Mr. Carter, I've been hunting oh. everywhere for you. Oh, Mr. Coles, this is Lieutenant Riley from headquarters. Oh, I'm yes. glad you're here, Lieutenant. We're up against a dangerous criminal.
6: Uh, Don't worry, Mr. Coles. The law always gets
5: its man. What do you want to see me about, Mr. Coles? Rose Phillips. She's gone. Gone? How do you know? Come up to the house with me. I'll show you. Something has happened to her, I'm sure.
3: Hurry!
4: Here. This is Rose's bedroom, Lieutenant. Well...
6: Somebody was making a fast getaway, all right Yes, just look at the room Clothes
5: strewn all over One of her suitcases is gone And this suitcase, half-packed, was left behind
6: She and the laboratory assistant Must have been in on this together If she wasn't guilty,
5: she wouldn't have run away Oh, she must have been out of her mind Of course, Rose was in love with Tom and... Nick What's the matter, Patsy? What are you frowning at?
2: Rose Phillips didn't run away
5: What, What, didn't run away? What are you saying, Patsy?
2: No girl will run away voluntarily and leave all her makeup behind. look at that dressing table. Nothing's been touched.
5: You're right, Betsy. Say, do you suppose... Oh, no, no. What is it, Mr. Coles? Do you suppose that Tom could have
6: forced her to leave? You mean... You mean kidnapper? Yes. Well, he won't get away with it. I'll call headquarters and have a cordon thrown around this entire district. We'll catch Tom Marks before he gets to
5: the next town. Good idea, Riley. Do that. Well, Mr. Coles. Yes, Mr. Carter. I guess Lieutenant Riley has his case all sewed up. His men will have Tom Marks and Rose Phillips within the hour. Well, Mr. Carter, it was nice of you to take such an interest in my friend's death. Um, would you care for a cigarette? Oh, no, thanks. Uh, you, Lieutenant? Why, why, sure, sure, I don't mind if I do. Of course. Uh, light? Yeah, thanks, thanks. Well, goodbye, Mr. Coles. Goodbye. Carter. Come along, Patsy.
4: uh, where's the telephone, Mr. Cole? There's uh, one right over here on the table.
5: Hurry up, Patsy. We've got work to do.
2: I thought you said the case was finished.
5: Not by a long shot. I said that for their benefit. You and I are going over this estate with a fine-tooth comb. I'm not satisfied
7: yet. (laughs)
2: See anything, Nick?
5: Come on in. Shut the door.
2: Do you think anyone saw us headed for this boathouse?
5: I hope not. Oh, be careful you. Don't step off in the water.
2: Nick, there's a small speedboat in the water. Wouldn't you think they'd put it in dry dock so late in the season?
5: Depends, Patsy. Look up there. Mounted in the bow.
2: A machine gun?
5: Mm-hmm. This boat was used for business.
2: Gee... Who'd ever think a quiet little chemist like Dr. Phillips kept a mounted machine gun on a speedboat?
5: I believe this setup down here was news to Dr. Phillips, too. Hold on to my arm. We'll look around.
2: Oh, Nick, don't step on the fish.
5: String of fish? Oh, dear.
2: Nick! Those fishermen, Riley, saw must have come in here.
5: Patsy, this catch isn't fresh. What? Those men used the string of dead fish just to fool Riley. And those were the men who made trouble for us on the yacht.
2: Yeah, they must have been. Plenty of life preservers stacked up in here.
5: Yeah, that's strange. Here, Betsy. Hmm? Take the flashlight and play it on this one.
2: Okay. What are you doing, taking it to pieces?
5: No, just examining it. Aha! There we have it. What? A small waterproof pocket's been sewn in here. Yes, and it extends all the way around inside this life preserver. Pretty clever. Look, Betsy. What is it? These secret compartments are filled with dope. But every one of these life preservers is filled with drugs.
2: Nobody would ever think of looking in a life preserver for evidence.
5: I think Dr. Phillips did. And that's why he was murdered.
2: (laughs) Nick. Nick.
5: Are you okay, Patsy?
2: Yes, but I can't stop crying.
5: Well, that's not surprising. Somebody threw a tear gas bomb through the window.
2: Oh,
3: That's right, friends. It was tear gas. Jose, <laughs> Pretty clever of me using the tools of my trade that way. Isn't it, Mr. Carter? But Tom Marks is always clever. So you're Tom Marks, huh? I've been waiting to set my eyes on you. It's too bad your eyes are filled with tear gas. Because now you'll never have that pleasure. Okay, Pete. Come in and get the lady. Right. I'll take care of Mr. Carter myself. (laughs) Come on. Come on.
7: Let her go along. Let her go along.
3: You got those iron weights in the bag, Pete?
6: Sure, both of them. This guy'll never be washed up on a beach like the doc was.
3: <laughs> good. See, so you tied a bag good and tight.
6: You know, I think he's passed out. He ain't moving none.
3: I did a job on him before we put him in the bag.
6: <laughs> oh, listen to that dame, will you? <laughs> Sounds like a owl with a cold in the head. <laughs> Shut up. Oh, no.
3: Oh, tighten the gag, Pete.
6: Okay. <laughs> That'll do it. Say, Carter ain't dead.
3: What does it take to kill that guy? I choked him like a rat and he's still talking. All right. All right. Speak your piece, Mr. Carter. Because you don't have much longer. You're not going to get away with this. <laughs> you know <what> he said? <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> I doubt it, Mr. Carter. You're going straight down to Davy Jones' lock. We'll pay for this. I'll end it behind bars within 24 hours.
6: Oh, listen to him.
3: What do you fellas think you're going to do with Patsy Bone? Yeah, he's worrying about a dame when <laughs> he's going <laughs> to lose <laughs> his <laughs> own neck. <laughs> Go easy with her. I'm warning you. Oh, Come on, let's get rid of him. Okay. It's dark enough now. All right. You got him? All right. All Lift right. him up. That's it. it. I'll get you, us this. Two,
7: three, three. Oh.
6: Let go. I came as soon as I got your flashlight signal from the shore, Nick. You think the criminals are aboard the yacht here now?
5: You'll see in a minute. The laboratory's
6: right down this companionway. Hey, you're dripping wet from head to foot, Nick. What happened?
2: They tried to pull the same trick on Nick that they pulled on Dr. Phillips. Ah. Only it didn't work, because Nick can expand his neck and wrist muscles.
5: Yes, I had my hands free before I hit the water. There was no trick at all to cut my way out of the sack. Then I clung to the back of their motorboat until it reached the yacht here. I waited for the would-be killers to get aboard, untied Patsy, and here we are.
6: Ah, you're lucky, Nick. He's smart, that's all. Quiet.
5: Quiet. This is the door. Keep your gun ready. Right. Good evening, Mr. Coles.
4: What?
3: Oh, Nick Carter.
4: Well, come in, Mr. Carter. These two friends of mine and myself were just discussing whether you had found the criminals. I think we have,
5: Mr. Coles. Good, good. There's just one thing more I need to make sure I have the criminals. Riley. Yeah? Give me that envelope I asked you to keep for me.
6: Oh, sure, sure, Nick. Uh,
5: here you are. Thanks. Now I'll just take the piece of burned paper out of this envelope.
2: Well, are those the pieces you gathered from the drain board?
5: Yes, Betsy. They were from the note Stanley Phillips wrote just before he was murdered. Now, I'll just use some of these chemicals in the burned paper. Mm. You see, gentlemen, even though this piece of paper's been burned, it is possible by using the correct chemical solution to bring out the writing that was on the paper before it was burned. In this case, I expect the writing will give the name of the man Phillips designated as head of the giant drug ring. And is killer. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Yes, here it comes. The chemicals are beginning to act. The writing is beginning to show up. Good. The name
6: is...
7: Nick, look out! Oh, you got it, Get out of there! Oh, you got
5: Man, I got these two thugs, Nick. Knocked to out cold. <laughs> Sorry I had to plug in the shoulder, Coles, but I had to put you out of action. Now, Riley, there's your murderer.
6: Uh, so it was Coles who did it. You're right, Connor. I killed him. the powers be
5: praised, Nick. I thought Tom Marks was the killer. Cole's at me fooled too, Riley. Until this afternoon when he came running down from the house. And then I noticed his feet were wet, as if he'd been in waiting.
2: And he was one of the men on the yacht, one of the fishermen Riley saw.
5: Right, Patsy. And another thing. The man who strangled me in the boathouse claimed to be Tom Marks. But Tom Marks is left-handed. The man who tried to strangle me used his right hand.
2: And you knew Phillips was murdered by a left-handed man.
5: That's right. I knew I was after a left-handed murderer. O'Reilly, huh? did you notice that when Coles your cigarette for you this afternoon in Rose's room, he used his left hand? Gee, by golly, he did. Then, then he's left-handed, too. Right. When I saw him do that, I knew he was the killer.
6: But I had to make him prove it. Oh, you did that all right. That
5: business about making
6: the writing stand out on a piece of paper after it's burned is a new one to me, Nick.
2: Nick, can you actually do that?
5: Well, it can be done under ideal conditions. But this time, I was just putting on an act for Mr. Coles' benefit. You mean
4: you didn't actually make any writing appear on the burned paper?
5: Not a word, Mr. Coles. And
3: I fell for it like a sap.
2: Nick. Hmm? What's that?
5: I'm not sure, Patsy, but I have a hunch.
2: It's locked, Nick.
6: Oh, Patsy, since when did a locked door ever stop Nick Carter?
5: Quite right, Riley. When did it? This is no time for it to start. So? This one ought to do the trick. There we are.
2: Nick Carter. Oh, thank heaven,
5: Rose. This man with you is Tom Marks, Miss Phillips? Yes, I am.
2: They were going to kill us, Mr. Carter. They tied us up and threw us in here. We heard them planning to
3: throw us overboard. Have you been imprisoned in here all this time, Mr. Marks? Uh, no, not quite. I got a telephone call last night summoning me into the city to pick up some chemicals Dr. Phillips and I needed in an experiment. I was slugged as I stepped out of the car. And when I came too late this afternoon, I, I was in here. And so was Rose.
6: Uh, that had was a smart one. Throwing suspicion on you and then trying to m- get rid of you in order to make it look as if you'd run away.
2: Smart, but not smart enough for Nick.
5: Well, Riley, you've got your murderer. I have that. And, Rose, you and Tom are safe.
2: Yes, thanks to you.
5: And I guess that's that.
2: Oh, no, Nick. You still have to solve my case. Oh,
5: well, what's that, Patsy?
2: That luncheon date you promised Nick. Oh. Where are you and I going to have lunch at this hour?
5: Why, uh... Oh, say, that's easy, Patsy. I know a swell place in town, right across from the morgue. Come on. <music>
4: This was another strange experience of Nick Carter, master detective, called the drug ring murder, or Nick Carter and the mystery of the left-handed killer. Another of the curious adventures of Nick Carter, which are brought to you regularly at this same time by WOR Mutual. And now, Nick. What can you tell us about next week's story?
5: When a young man who was a very good friend of mine arrived in town to claim his bride, he suddenly became aware that she was not the girl to whom he'd become engaged.
4: You mean she wasn't his fiancée? That
2: was the question that started off the whole case.
5: Yes, indeed, because we couldn't be sure whether the girl he loved was really the girl he loved. We prevented two murders and saved a gigantic fortune from disappearing.
2: But you didn't save me from disappearing, Nick.
5: Oh, quite true, Patsy, but after all, you weren't gone very long before we found you.
2: But well, I'm sure glad you found me when you did, or I might not be here now. So long, folks. Get the rest of the story next week.
4: Right. So long. And so long to you, Nick and Patsy. In the strange adventure you have just heard, Nick Carter was impersonated by Lon Clark, Patsy by Helen Choate. The story was written for Nick Carter by Barth Connery. Original music was played by Lou White. The entire production was under the direction of Jock McGregor.
1: Stay tuned for George Burns and Gracie Allen next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for George Burns and Gracie Allen. And it sounds like we're going to have a ton of fun with this when George and Jack Benny act as gypsies.
9: Uh, n- another cup of Maxwell House coffee, George?
1: Sure. Pour me a cup,
10: Gracie.
9: You know, Maxwell House is always good to the last drop.
10: And that drop's good, too. Yes, it's Maxwell House coffee time,
8: starring George Burns and
10: Gracie Allen.
8: With our special guest tonight, Jack Benny. Yours truly, Toby Reed, Mel Blanc, Gail Gordon, Meredith Wilson and the Maxwell House Orchestra, and Bill Goodwin. For America's Thursday night comedy enjoyment, it's George and Gracie. And for
10: America's everyday coffee-drinking enjoyment, it's Maxwell House. Always good to the last drop.
8: Life is a funny thing. Upon some men it bestows fame, fortune, and success, yet cruelly withholds from them the thing they long for most of all. In the city of Beverly Hills, California, live two such men, Jack Benny and George Burns. (laughs) Each apparently successful, yet nursing in his heart a secret unfulfilled ambition. What is Jack Benny's ambition? His dream? Listen.
10: Gee, when is the world going to recognize me for what I really am? A concert violinist. <laughs> Mr. Benny, Mr. Benny, please. The violin lesson is over. Now may I have my money. Uh, Professor LeBlanc, uh, tell me something honestly. Uh, what do you think of my playing? Now be frank. You want the truth? Yeah. First, give me the money for the lesson. <laughs> Look at I'm I'm tired of being the comedian the clown the pagliacci please monsieur benny i must go get the money out sure it's brought me fame and riches but when you're not happy what good is gold it's turned to lead in my pocket monsieur benny please get the lead out <laughs> If I could only be a cot
8: <laughs> And just a few blocks from this scene of frustration we find the other man, George Burns. What is his secret ambition? Listen.
10: Boom, 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 down in the garden. Where the goes, honey, oh, mine. I love you so love me like a flower. Don't. See, Gracie, if only the world would recognize my singing voice.
9: Well, it does, George. Everyone recognizes your singing voice. Really? Well, sure. It's after they recognize it that the trouble starts.
7: <laughs>
10: if for some reason my voice just doesn't seem to sell.
9: Oh, lots of people think it does.
10: Think it sells?
9: Oh, (laughs) Sal. Oh, what fools they are. You have a beautiful voice. You really think so? Oh, yes. You sound like a nightingale flew down your throat and built a nest there. (laughs) But I never get a chance. Yeah, I know, dear. Just like Jack Benny with his violin. Yeah. Look at that,
10: that party we went to the other night with Jack. When I started to sing, what happened?
9: They tried to drown you out. Yeah. Only it's worse than it sounds. They tried to drown you out in the swimming pool.
10: <laughs> well, thank goodness Jack started to play about that time. His violin was really a life
9: Oh, yes. When they threw that in the pool, it gave you both something to hang on to.
7: <laughs>
10: Why won't people take our music seriously?
9: Well, George, they won't accept Jack as a violinist because they think of him as a great comedian. And they won't accept you as a singer because they think of you as a great... Oh, whatever it is you are.
10: A pickle salesman.
9: It's so unfair, Sell George.
10: Sell rhubarb on the side.
7: Uh, <laughs> there were you. There were you and Jack.
9: careful, little horseradish.
7: Now, George. There were
9: you and Jack loaded with musical talent and all the crowd wanted to hear were those gypsy entertainers. Well, those gypsies were good. Not one bit better than you. I'll bet if you and Jack had been disguised as gypsies, the crowd would have... George! That's it. Huh? Why don't you and Jack disguise yourselves as gypsies and put on a concert?
10: Now, wait a minute. Oh,
9: it's a great idea. If people don't know that you're George Burns and Jack Betty, they might like you. (laughs) <laughs> oh, thanks Now, Jack could be a gypsy violinist And you could be a gypsy troubadour
1: When a gypsy makes his violin cry <laughs> Oh, oh
7: you gypsy <laughs>
9: When you sing, you'll not only make the violin cry You'll make the whole orchestra ball <laughs> Uh,
10: Maybe you've got something with the gypsy idea
9: Oh, sure, let's go talk to Jack about
10: it People go for gypsies because they're romantic vagabonds They've been roaming the earth for hundreds of years Do you think Jack and I can put it over?
9: Absolutely If I ever saw two men who look like they've been roaming the earth for hundreds of years It's you and Jack Come on,
7: let's
10: go over and talk to Jack
9: Well, what do you think of the idea, Jack?
10: I can't do it, Gracie. When I achieve recognition as a violin player, I'll do it on one thing and one thing alone. Alan. Huh? Jack, it's a great idea. I'm sorry, George. I will not deceive my public by disguising myself as a ridiculous gypsy.
7: <laughs> Jack, Jack,
10: you can make a barrel of money.
7: <laughs>
10: money? <laughs> yes. If we're gypsies? Yes. Yeah. Thought so. Anyway, it's not a cheat, you know. You know, I do have some gypsy blood in my veins.
7: Oh, really, Jack?
9: Yeah,
10: of course. I only have a drop or two. Oh,
9: <laughs> how much of it is gypsy? Well,
10: the drop or two is gypsy. I have more.
7: See,
10: <laughs> 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 so my uh,
8: my
10: father, my father ran a gypsy tea room back in Milwaukee. <laughs> Sam Benny's Romany Rendezvous and Delicatessen.
7: <laughs> My mother
10: used to go around at the tables and read the Rye Crisps.
7: Yes, I remember uh,
10: that, Yes.
9: Say, yes. so Jack, you and George can be gypsy brothers.
10: Oh, do we have to be brothers? Well,
9: brother acts are so popular in the theater. There's the, uh, the Marx Brothers and the Ritz Brothers and the Mayo Brothers.
10: The Mayo Brothers are in the theater?
9: Oh, they must be. People always talk about going to the Mail Brothers for an opening.
1: <laughs>
10: yes, sir. Uh, A Blasfogel handles their knives. Wow. You know, you know, I'm glad you had this idea, Gracie. It sounds exciting, romantic. The Mysterious Gypsy Brothers. call in town and give a concert. Yes, it'll be great, Jack. What if we do have to risk a little money to, well, you know, to put into it? Money? Yes. We risk it? Yes. Yes. I was afraid
9: of that. Oh, wait a minute. I've got an idea. We'll get someone else to put up the money, huh? Someone else? Yeah.
10: You mean we won't risk anything?
9: not a cent. you boys home to try on these gypsy costumes. Here, you spread this dark makeup on your faces while I finish curling your hair.
10: Gracie, is this necessary? Of
9: course, Jack. All gypsies have curly hair.
10: Well, okay.
9: There. Now, Jack, your hair is done. Put it back on.
7: (laughs) See,
10: it feels good. Still warm.
9: (laughs) Say now, George, I'll put a few waves in your hair, and then we'll put on the earrings. Earrings? Well, certainly all gypsies wear earrings. Now, hold still, Jack.
10: Hey, Gracie, these look like the gold earrings I gave Mary for Christmas.
9: They are. She insisted you wear them.
10: Oh, how sweet.
9: She wants to see how you look with green ears.
7: But
10: <laughs> these earrings happen to be solid gold. Some appreciation, I get. She doesn't even keep them clean. They're all sticky.
9: Well, Mary says that was on there when you gave them to her. It's from the Cracker Jacks.
10: (laughs) Well, I'll be careful to wash off her birthday present before I give it to her.
9: Now, George, you put these other earrings on and uh, this sash. Okay. And, Jack, here are some beads to go around your neck. And now we'll put this scarf around your head. There.
10: I feel like Carmen Miranda.
9: Now, you look wonderful.
10: Come in. Hi, Gracie.
9: Hello, Bill.
10: I just dropped by to say hello and... and, and... Who are the two old babes?
9: <laughs> oh, fine. Well, they're gypsies, Bill.
10: Oh, oh, gypsy fortune tellers? hmm Well, uh, read my palm, honey. Look, look, I'm Jack Denny.
9: <laughs>
1: Quit
10: kidding. You're a gypsy fortune teller. I read my palm. I tell you, I, I I can't read your palm. I'm Jack Benny. Come on, honey, read my palm, and I'll give you fifty cents. <laughs> I see a tall, dark woman. <laughs> She looks like Davy Marie. Hand over the money, handsome. Look, Bill. This is really Jack Benny, and I'm George. We're going to give a gypsy concert. Oh, with that sad gypsy gypsy music. Let's show him, Jack. Okay. Hmm, are you
7: are you are you holding
10: anything
1: back? No. <laughs>
7: <laughs> oh, Chichovnia <laughs>
3: Oh, Chichovnia
10: <laughs> I held that back 15 years. <laughs> That is miserable
7: (laughs) You know, Gracie
10: I think it would look flashy If I had some gold rings on my fingers when I play And I've given Mary a couple of beautiful ones See if you can borrow them
9: Oh, that will look flashy Green fingers to match your ears I'll be right
10: back uh, Bill. Jack and I will be a sensation if we can just get some publicity. Well, I know a newspaper reporter. Uh, I'll send him over for a story. Oh, thanks, Bill. And we'll give you a pair of complimentary tickets to our concert, right in the front row. Well, Jack, uh, I'd rather sit in the balcony. But Bill, you can bring your girl. You see, if you sit in the front row, she can appreciate my technique. Well, if we sit in the balcony, she can appreciate mine.
7: <laughs> <laughs>
10: just send the report. Yes, come on, Gipsy. What do you do? I'm a reporter from the news. I'd like to get a story about those two gypsies who are going to give a concert. Oh,
9: wonderful. What would you like to know?
3: Well, uh, I understand they're brothers.
9: Yes, both boys.
3: <laughs> nice arrangement. Uh,
10: gypsies are supposed to be mystics. Do these boys have second sight?
9: Yes, they both wear glasses.
10: Uh... Yes uh, Can you tell me something about their background?
9: Well, it was, uh, it was very romantic uh, To begin with, they're gypsy kings Because they were born uh, When they were born, they each weighed 20 pounds You mean... King size I should have started
7: <laughs> Now,
9: uh,
10: what are their names?
9: Uh, their names? Yes uh what are some gypsy names?
10: Well, there's Misha and Sasha.
9: Oh, well, these are Georgia and Jacksha.
10: <laughs> are you sure these boys aren't just plain Americans?
9: Oh no, no. They're straight from Gypsy Land. They're real
7: gyps. <laughs> hey, you're not
8: kidding. So long, lady.
10: Gee, it feels good to get out of these gypsy costumes. You know, George, if we can just... Come in. Howdy, little man. Oh, hello, Mr. Judson. Jack, this is Mr. Judson from Texas. Uh, How do you do? Mr. Judson, this is Jack Benny. Jack Benny? Why, say, ain't you the world's greatest radio comedian, stage star, and movie actor? (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes. Well, it sure is an honor to shake your hand, Mr. Benny You're a right famous celebrity Well, thank you, thank you At What part of Texas are you from?
7: <laughs> <laughs> Dallas?
10: Houston? No, I'm from Waukegan uh, Waukegan? Uh, Jack, huh? uh, Jack, uh, Mr. Judson is an oil millionaire Mm-hmm. And he may want to put up some uh, $5,000 to back our country. Well, now, I- I'd be right glad to put up 5000 if Mr. Benny was from Texas, but he says he's from Waukegan? Yes, yeah, Waukegan, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> you
7: know, I-, I don't
10: recollect ever hearing of that town. Waukegan, Texas? Well, uh, you see, they might make it the capital, you know. You don't say. Yes, so. and the next governor will probably be my father. Sam Houston Benny. (laughs) Is that a fact? And after he served a term as governor of Texas, he may be elected president of the United States. Oh, now, I'd sure hate to see him step down to a less important job. (laughs) Mr. Judson, I've got a TL for you. The people who run this world don't come from Texas. Yeah, and look what a mess they got it in. (laughs) Well, Mister Judson, do I get the five thousand? Well, now that depends. Uh, what are you going to do in the concert, Mister Bennett: uh, Play the violin. I have my instrument with me. If you'd care to hear a bit of technique, oh, I- I I'd it? admire to scrape away. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh,
7: uh, wait a minute, kind of hold on a minute. Uh, that's.
10: Yeah, but again, just yeah, you get the money. Good. Yeah. yeah, on one condition. You gotta promise not to tell nobody you're from Texas.
7: <laughs> now
10: when do I get the five thousand? Oh, I'd give it to you now, but I ain't got no small bills on me. Mm. This kid is loaded with oil wells, you know. Well,
9: boy have you? Oh, hello, Mr. Judson. Howdy, little lady. Well, did you hear about the plans for the concert? Yeah,
10: yeah, and I'm going to put $5,000 into it.
9: My goodness, that much? Oh,
10: I can afford it, little lady. I made a pile of money from drilling.
9: Oh, you're a dentist, too.
7: <laughs> 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 oh, I like your sense of humor, ma'am. <laughs>
10: <laughs> Bill, we called you back Because our concert is all set And we want you to be master ceremonies uh, Yes, Bill Where do you think we should give the concert? Uh, Hollywood Bowl? Well, uh, I would definitely give it in the open air <laughs> Uh, show us how you'd handle the MC job, will you, Bill? All right, Jack. Uh, how's this? Uh, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Hollywood Bowl. Tonight you have a real treat in store. I like that. That's yeah, uh-huh. nice. That's yeah,
7: nice. <laughs> you are about
10: to receive the thrill of a lifetime. Good, good. Now, in a moment. These curtains will part, and the ushers will pass among you with Maxwell House coffee. Bill. Rich, delicious, mellow Maxwell House. So wonderful. Satisfying. Billy boy. Good to the last drop. Dimples. Look. That's all you're going to say? Oh, no. Then I'll say Maxwell House is the very best in coffee-drinking pleasure, Mm -hmm. yet it costs but a fraction of a penny more per cup than the cheapest coffee you can buy.
7: Mm
10: -hmm. Look, Bill. if,
7: If anything...
10: If anything commercial is said at our concert, it'll be L.S. M.F.T.
7: <laughs>
10: okay, Jack, I'll say it. L.S. M.F.T. Let's sample Maxwell's fine taste. <laughs> wait a minute,
7: wait a minute. Oh, look, that's not what I meant, you see? It's more so, than a thousand... No, that's
10: not what I meant, Bill. Choose, wait a minute. Um, more people enjoy No, no, you see and that? Wait Maxwell a minute, Bill. Wait a minute. Than, than wait, any other uh, brand wait. of coffee in the world. Wait a minute! Never mind, I'll get Don Wilson to announce us. Don Wilson. Okay. No one will come to your concert anyway. Oh, no? We'll fill Hollywood Bowl. Well, maybe you're right. Don Wilson practically fills it alone. <laughs> Goodbye, comedian. So long, troubadour. Well, George, let's line up the concert. Now, I think I think you should open the show. No, Jack. You open the show. No, no, George. I insist. You open the show. I want them to hear your voice first. (laughs) Well, thank you. So you walk out on the stage all alone. Okay. And introduce me. Huh? And I'll play my first number, then I'll introduce you. Then I say. No, you announce my second number. (laughs) Look, how about giving me a crack at the third number? Thanks, George, but I'll announce my own third number. Jack, I should be the star of the concert. (coughs)
9: Well, oh, Mr. Judson sent over the $5,000. Have you got the concert lined up?
10: No, Gracie, there seems to be a difference of opinion about who should be the
9: star. Oh, but you boys are dear friends. George, tell Jack what you think of his violin playing. Well... Well... Jack, tell George what you think of his singing. <laughs> <laughs> That kind of language In front of a lady
10: I apologize Me too oh,
9: Besides You're mistaken about George There's no greater singer In the world Than Sugar Throat Sugar Throat? Yes.
10: Gracie A seal makes the same noise And balances a ball On its
9: nose You're wrong, Jack George makes any song Completely convincing When he sings Old folks at home He makes you think Of your family Far from the old folks At (laughs) home Oh, brother Ah, you thought of your family?
10: Well, I'm going to be the star After all, if it weren't for me You couldn't even give this concert Why not? Mr. Judson put up $5,000 because he thinks I stink Not you (laughs) That's why not (laughs) Come in. Monsieur Beny, please. I followed you all the way over here. May I have the money for my lesson? I'll pay you if you tell these people that I'm a great artist. Uh, Gracie, hmm? here's my French violin teacher who will tell you what a great artist I am. Bonjour.
9: That's a lie.
10: <laughs> in my opinion, Monsieur Beny is another zimbalist.
9: Well, then he should give up the violin and play the zimbal.
10: <laughs> Gracie, surely the opinion of my French music teacher should settle the argument.
9: Oh, uh-huh, you think so, huh? Well, you wait right here. Now, have you got everything straight, Meredith?
5: Yes, Gracie I am a famous Italian music teacher And George is my star pupil
9: Good Now, let's go in there and show that Jack Benny up
5: Good afternoon, Ola
10: <laughs> Huh? I want to speak uh, to Jack Ben. That's probably me I mean, uh, Who are you?
6: I'm a the bigger Italian music teach Meredith W. Caruso
10: Oh, no And I come up to tell you that he's a great Who's a great? He's a great Who's a he's a? He's a who's a
7: George?
6: That's in my life George <laughs> Burns a. I'm a the teach He's a the pupil. Is a what? <laughs> What's the matter? You don't know, understand
10: English? I'm of the teach, these are the pupils.
7: <laughs> well,
10: part of that I go along
7: with.
9: Well, thanks for dropping in, Mr. Caruso. Goodbye. Hey,
10: wait a minute. Wait a minute. I remember him. <laughs> Say, during the war, weren't you the leader of the Armed Forces Radio Service Orchestra? Yeah, that's right. I thought so. You were Major Wilson. Yeah. I went in in 42 as a major and came out in 45 as a second lieutenant.
1: <laughs>
7: <laughs> well, that's a
10: that's a record to be proud of. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks well, a lot. There. Well, Mr. Ben, just... Oh, Dow,
9: Dow, Dow. Well, it almost worked. <laughs>
10: Look, George, let's stop trying to rook each other. If this silly concert is going to break up our friendship, let's forget it. Maybe you're right, Jack. We'd probably make down fools of ourselves as gypsies anyway. Sure. Come on, I'll take you down to the corner and we'll get a cup of coffee. No, Jack. I'll buy you the coffee. That's what I meant. So long. <laughs>
7: well,
10: Gracie, I, I didn't get to sing in Hollywood Bowl, but uh, I'm going to sing next week on Bing Crosby's Foco Show.
9: Well, now there's a man who really appreciates your voice. Bing would rather listen to you than to any other singer. You would? Well, yes, Bing says that if Perry Como, Dick Haynes, and Frank Sinatra sang like you, he'd be completely happy.
7: (laughs)
1: Good night, Paul. Thank you for listening. I hope you're with me next week when I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend.
0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone
7: Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.